millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the November episode of The Delicious Podcast. This month, we're in Nigella's very own kitchen with stories about her fabulous new book and TV series, At My Table. And Jimmy Tockety takes us on a who-knew tour of Britain's favourite fish and chip vinegar, Sarsons. We learn why mob grazing in egg production could save the planet. And chef and food writer Allegra McEvity tells us why losing her mother's favourite recipe inspired the wallpaper at her restaurant, Albertine. But first, Karen Barnes, editor of Delicious Magazine, tells us what's in the November issue. For me, this time of year is all about anticipation and excitement and the build-up to Christmas, which I almost think is more exciting (laughs) than the main event. Um, So I also think you've got that feeling of it's a bit colder outside, you kind of want to draw the curtains, you tend to invite people around more, I think. So there's a real sense of cosiness to the issues, mm. sort of rustling leaves outside, getting a bit cold, light the candles, start thinking about what might I make people for Christmas, what might I buy. So that's what we try to capture. Also, getting your ducks in a row for things you might be able to make and freeze so we're trying to cover all of those elements we've got uh, a collector's edition uh, 16 pages free extra recipes and all dedicated to the most beautiful food gifts that you can make for people um, we have a salted caramel and whiskey sauce which you can pack away into a jar ready to warm and pour over ice cream or over pancakes. We've got a gin and tonic syrup that you can use in cocktails or for whatever um, jazzing up you want to do. That would probably be quite good with ice cream as well. We've got a slightly more challenging moment, a gingerbread house kit so that you can make all the elements of the house and all the the pieces, the the ready-made gingerbread sides, and then you can pack it all up with sweets and icing sugar and give it to people as a a set that they can put together themselves. Or you can make the whole thing and put it together. But it's exciting, I think, to make gifts to give people something that's from your... It sounds a bit trite, but something from your heart that you put a bit of time and effort into. It's really lovely to make a, a jar of conserve or a syrup or something. That's some... We've got peppermint creams um, dipped in chocolate and that also tiffin truffles, which are a revelation. And they're so easy to make. It's just throw it all in, mix it up, let it set and then roll them, roll them and roll them in some lovely um, dusted mm-hmm. cocoa powder. Okay. Um, we've got some wonderful Nigel Slater comfort food recipes from his new book, which is just beautiful and outstanding. And uh, Lucas Holweg is our new food writer in residence for two months, and he's been writing about recipes that 
I suppose capture the autumnal feel, um, warmth and, and cosiness and wonderful things to, to get ready and think, start thinking ahead towards Christmas, Christmas cakes, Christmas puddings and then gifts that you can buy both from our new online shop at deliciousmag.co.uk forward slash shop um, but also from lots of other stores, really interesting gifts that we have been trying to find out about over, we start that process way back in July and we make notes of absolutely everything and then we whittle it down and have a big selection process um, and also presents that I call the gifts that keep on giving things like monthly subscriptions to mm. interesting um, kits and ideas and tasting kits and things like that. So all different sorts of things, as well as a roundup of the best books of the year. Now, we know Jimmy Doherty to be a bit of a food detective in Food Unwrapped, but he's also a real champion for British artisanal foods. I met him, both of us dolled up in health and safety scrubs, including hairnet and specs, for a tour of the Sarsons factory in Manchester with technical manager Graham Houghton. Welcome to the Sarsons factory. Here we make... Um, we are a barley nation. So malt whiskey, single malt whiskies starts with barley. Our beer starts with barley. And when it comes to the malt vinegar, we forget that's part of our heritage and part of our food culture. Every much as bit as your top-end whiskies and your top-end beer. And if you think our farmers in the UK, if there was an Olympics for farming, we'd win gold medal every time for growing the barley. Sorry, Graham. Shall we go and have a look? And we'll have a look inside the March tun so you can actually see what's going on inside it. After the factory tour, Jimmy treated us to a slap-up lunch of fish and chips with sticky spare ribs and panzanella salad, all with Simpson's dressings. When you taste it in the factory and you suddenly realise that it's properly brewed and then it's matured, these amazing wooden casks adds all that mellow flavour. So those flavour notes in the dressings is fantastic because you get spicy zings, you get you get depth of flavour, well rounded. And then I move into more of the slow and low cooking of the ribs, that sort of fashionable barbecue, you know, that that you think of DJ barbecue, Metopia, all that kind of stuff. So this thing is really good with marinades because it adds with the sweetness and you get those sharp tones on it. We're all decked up in our health and safety gear earlier on. Mm. This is part of the course. For you, isn't it? This yeah. is this is what food unwrapped is all about. It's yeah. the stories behind the food, the who knew of TV. But actually, there's been a huge upsurge in real, genuine interest in artisanal produce mm. and in the way that we eat. Food has changed drastically, and I think we've seen that the, the you know after the mouth and everything else, we saw the rise of farmers diversifying and having to diversify. Farmers markets everywhere. Farm shops going from just a sack of carrots out the out the out the back of a barn to them being lifestyle shops. Then we've seen the whole um, uh, food market thing turn into you know buying amazing food to eat, ready to eat, pop up restaurants everywhere. Our farm shop, for example, we have got uh, older customers that are 65, 75. They'll shop in a certain way. They'll go, how much is that? Can you cut that for me? Can you give me a bit of neck? Then we've got sort of the the middle generation, my parents' generation, um, that will. You know, I don't know. They seem to have slipped past slightly in the food culture. Then you've got the younger generation who are asking, "Oh, what breed of cow is that? Is that a Hereford? Yeah. Oh, okay. How long have you hung that? Have you have you used Himalayan salt in your 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 uh, chiller to to really drink? And they really know about it. And they really care about animal mm. welfare as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. really interesting. So that's going to change 
the, the, the products on the shelves because the, the customer is now food yeah. literate. And I think also with the new interest in food and, and uh, when it comes to how it's produced, uh, where it's from, the story of how it got to the, the supermarket shelf or the market, also is intertwined with health. And people are very health conscious, not necessarily because they want to lose loads of weight, but they, they want to know what they're putting in their body is going to feed their brains exactly. as well as their body. Now, Jimmy knows his onions, and as a farmer and food communicator, he really wants people to understand the impact of their food choices on their health and on the planet. I'm all about the food from the soil to going into the Field human. Talk, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it is, that side of the story has to be told because it's all great with add a bit of this, add a bit of that, bring out the flavours, whatever. But the, the element of, you know, the effort it takes to grow the food, the, the amount of water it takes, how much carbon releasing when we look at population growth, these are the real big questions in how we, we're going to feed ourselves in the coming future. As Jimmy says, sustainable farming is big news for food fans and do visit Delicious Magazine's online shop to see some of the most exciting produce coming out of this revolution in food. Dan Wood from the traditional egg company in Yeovil is another farmer bringing back the old-fashioned farming techniques to create better food. He explained how mob grazing is behind the success of his birds and herds free-range eggs. Mob grazing is a is a system that's used, um, and it's it's a, the idea is to mimic nature. So if we go back thousands of years, where great big herds of buffalo and wildebeest were trampling across the plains, um, they would be constantly on the move because they would be weeing and pooing behind them and have to keep moving onto fresh pastures, and would be chased by huge packs of ferocious predators and always be moving. And they found that these grasses were phenomenal, great big high grass awesome diversity and and that's how the system works so what we've done is we're mimicking that old system we mob our cattle together so a mob is just a good group of cattle that are kept together with electric fencing and every day they're moved to fresh pasture and what we're allowing the pastures to do is grow much higher than would normally happen and the cattle would go in they eat 50 percent of the grass trample the rest of the grass poo and wee on it and create a natural mulch over the soil and the top six inches of soil are becoming more fertile. They're getting more microorganisms, worm life, and all this sort of thing. And it's making a huge improvement in soil fertility. So cows get a bad press with, with all the methane and everything they produce. But managed properly, the grasses are able to, to trap away the carbon that these things are producing. Um, and that's new, isn't it, Dan? Because, you know, t- 10 years ago, people were talking about we've got to go vegan to save the planet. Now everybody's saying we've got to have the ruminants because they they perform a vital part of keeping the structure of the soil. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. But they've got to be allowed to be ruminants. This is the important thing with the mob grazing. These are pasture-fed, grass-fed cattle. Yeah, yeah. No intensive start... farming here. No, this is not intensive at all. This is from start to finish. These guys are, are, are reared and finished on grass. A cow is designed to eat grass. It's a ruminant. It's not designed to eat grain. And this is what's important to the farmer. He's mobbed grazing his cattle and producing a fantastic beef. And because they're finished on grass, the omega-3, omega-6 mixes are far better. It's a far better beef for you to eat as a human because the the cows are allowed to be cows, Mm. the cowness of the cow. Mm. Um, What we do then... This is where the, the chickens come in and the and the eggs are produced. Is about ten days behind the cows being moved on. We follow in with a little mobile full of traditional chickens, 
Um, so these traditional breads are Aracanas, um, Morans, some Bluebells, all laying different coloured eggs. But the idea is that these guys jump out of their shed and they're scratching through all the cow pats. Now we have to wait 10 to 15 days after the cows have moved for the cow pats to firm up, develop, some bugs to get in amongst them, some fly larvae, bits and pieces that chickens are going to love. Uh, but the idea, the beauty of the chicken is she scratches that cow pat all over the field. So instead of it being isolated in one spot, it isn't. It's spread evenly across every acre of the of the paddock. And by doing so as well, she's pecking away at the bugs and the worms and everything else. And she acts as a natural steriliser. So when the cows in about six weeks to eight weeks time come back round to that piece of ground, it's sterile. So the farmer's not using the wormers that he would have to worm the cattle with normally because the chickens are, are, are scratching it away. And as they're scratching, they're, they're stimulating new growth with shoots. The grasses are growing back. And this constant cycle is happening. And Basically, the f- doing what animals were always supposed to do, Dad. <laughs> Absolutely right. We're getting back to it. Exactly, it is. And it's, it's allowing nature to do what it should yeah. do naturally. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Now, Mirroring Delicious magazines tastes like home where people from the food world tell their stories about a meaningful recipe or food memory. We meet West London chef Allegra McEverty, whose restaurant, Alberty, is a real family business. Uh, my mum set up a wine bar um, with her cousin. It's only five minutes from where I grew up. I'm um, sitting in a high stall in the kitchen and watch her cook and do a bit of homework. And so it was a bit like a home from home. When I was 17, my mum died very sadly she's a she's a wonderful woman a great cook and so I used to then come in here sort of throughout my 20s and 30s because it reminded me of her 35 years later Allegra got the nod that Albertine was up for sale again and she was given first refusal she jumped at the opportunity it took me a while but raised all the money from family and friends yes it's a real community thing and and here we are but Allegra's mother's legacy 
also lived on in her recipes. So my mum, um, like a lot of women of her generation, um, she had a scrapbook that she used to cut uh, recipes out of the magazines, periodicals, um, newspapers, little things that she jotted down, um, friends might have given her, uh, and it was, this, it was in an orange photo album. So I really, really loved it. And when I was doing one of my books, the Leon one I think it was, I took it into the publisher and I said, I want it to have this kind of a feel, of a sort of scrapbooky feel to it. And, and the, the publisher said, oh, no, I understand, I understand. The, the designer's off sick today, I can't show him. He'll be in tomorrow. Can I keep it overnight and I'll show him tomorrow? And I said, yes, but just do understand that it's, if, if my house was on fire, this is you know, one of the three things I grab first. Um, and uh, so just please you know, look after it with your life. And she said, I will. Anyway, the next morning, I actually was just up the road from me on Wood Lane, I'll never forget it, and uh, she got this phone call and she said, Allegra, it's gone. And I said, sorry. And she went, it's gone. And I said, you know, and, I, and it was years, I mean, it's probably a good sort of 15 or so years after my mum had died, maybe longer, um, but I went through all of the emotion of death and grief again, anger, loss, you know, pain, tears, more anger. Um, and I said, well, how could, you, how could this have happened? And she said, well, I've put it under my desk for safekeeping and the cleaner had come in overnight and they, because it was tatty, they took it as rubbish um, and she said I've done everything I can, I've made all the calls I can this morning but it's currently on a barge halfway up the Thames uh, heading for a landfill it was such a dreadful moment um, but then the other thing it triggered was I decided to make a book for my daughter um, that was like that, that basically if something happened to me here was a book, of, which is the next book I did, which is called Big Table, Busy Kitchen, and it's about, it sort of goes through a life in chapters of um, here's what you need when you're, you know, the, the, sort of the nursery food, here's what you need when you're a student, here's what you need. So it sort of sets her up for life. I'm noticing the loose, you've got a sort of scrapbook feel. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the wallpaper is made out of your... Is it, is it your mum's recipes? or no, is it just recipes. I write a lot of recipes at home um, because as well as being a chef, I get paid by people to write recipes and come up with ideas a lot. Um, so I was uh, so, and I always start with a piece of A4, drop down my thoughts, think what's going to go in it. Then you cook, you know, from that, and you type it up, and this, that, and the other. And you end up essentially this kind of book of roughs. Um, and I've always kind of liked the look of them because they've got sort of passatis built on them, and some red wine, and you know, sort of splodges of mint stuck to them. And, and I've always kind of liked the look. I've always thought, oh, I must do something with them one day. Anyway, nothing's ever been as mine as Albertine. So. It's home, exactly, and, and, and more than that. And so I just said, well, this is the right time to do it. So, we, so with our designer, um, we ca- she came around to my house, we went through all my roughs, picked out the most interesting-looking ones, and literally went off and um, made a wallpaper out of it. Fantastic. Well, it's, it's a bit oppressive sometimes, but I think it's quite nice. Now, food memories and family recipes are the very essence of Nigella, who's back with a fabulous new book and TV series called At My Table. I joined her at hers to ask which of her recipes she would choose to pass on to her children. I suppose there's lots. I mean, I think that definitely there was a recipe in kitchen that was my mother's praised chicken, which is very much a recipe that I've handed to them, not just because they see me cook it, not because I've taught them how to cook it, and obviously very important for me because my mother died so young. I mean, she was 48, um, so obviously they never, didn't know her, so it's very important that they get to know... Uh, her food, but what, what I like is that if I see my children cook, I can see them do certain things that I've done or said, which is a bit about a way of cooking. Like they would never now uh, drain pas- pasta without taking some of the cooking liquid first to add to the sauce mm. and that sort of thing. Mm. So it's about those small uh, little habits which mean they cook in much the same way as I do. I mean, certainly the chicken barley is 
you know, one that they 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 certainly do. And I don't know. You know what I think is quite interesting is that food takes time. It takes time in a way to make its mark because yes recipes and food can have instant impact but you can't tell till later which are the recipes that start becoming the floor plan of a life and that 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 takes a while in the same way sometimes people say what is going to be the recipe that is the recipe from this book and I say well the in a way the recipes have a life of their own I don't know what other people are going to be cooking often it's not the recipe you think and in the same way is that right now the all these recipes play a part in our life here at home but the recipes that you know my children say would might cook for their children who's to say right now and I like that in a way because in a way it just means that that, that somehow the food dictates um dictates how it how it goes and what things take root and that that interests me an awful lot yeah it's a gloriously generous thing isn't it in a way that you know a lot of chefs recipes wouldn't get passed on in that way people wouldn't recreate them and tinker with them and then make it their own in a way that they might with a home cook. And I love that. And actually, one of the things I find so moving is sometimes when people meet me or they I see something, they've posted something on Instagram, say, and they will talk about how a certain cake has been... A, part of their life at all important milestones for their family or you know a, a certain dish has been part of their christmas mm. for every christmas mm. and to that i find that i you know it sounds like some it sounds so pretentious to say that um oh, i'm honored but i do i feel this great yeah. honor and it sort of makes me feel slightly you know like oh, a willing up type of feeling because there's nothing there's there's nothing that means more in a way to, to be part of someone's life and all the things that matter within a family, because I know that these are recipes that matter to me. And um... well, you should know then that my your feast yeah. has made a huge impact on my life because <laughs> my husband's Jewish and I'm not, and I didn't know really how to do yeah. the feasting. And so yeah. I just read your book, and so we do the seder dinner, yeah. and it's it's full of stories, and it's so delicious for its start, which wasn't the same as his mother's. <laughs> so that's been a no, good thing for us. It, but yeah. it is really nice for that. But yeah. there are certain recipes that mean more you know, to one family than to another, and you don't know what, and I would never want to presume or to dictate. Yeah. And so I like, you know, I for me, food is a conversation. That's why, in a way, when I'm doing book signings and so forth, it's so nice to meet readers, or if they just post, now we have social media, so I can hear that yeah. way. And it's a, it's, it's a really nice thing. do you love social media? I mean, how active are you, um, yeah. actually? You, I mean, I know a lot of people get, and you're so busy anyway. But no, I do all myself. Do you? Yes. And, which is why often recipe of the day is late. I think, oh no, it's five in the afternoon and I've forgotten to post recipe of the day. No, I do, so I like to look, you know, for example, right now I look at, I look through, you know, what people post to me, but um, on Twitter, and I look at where I'm tagged often uh, on Instagram or with anyone hashtags at my table. And I love seeing what people cook and I do respond as much as I can. And um, I like having a chat people about what are cooking now there are some days I can't go on and there are some days I can spend a bit of a you know concerted effort but I am there and I don't get other people to do it for me which yeah. is why it is a bit haphazard so tell us about the old-fashioned telly that um, you're going back to a new series uh, I mean in, in comparison with something like social media which is so immediate and you can mm. do it yourself and you can have so much control yeah. over it how does it feel 
to be bringing out a new series? Well, the, the thing about a series is it's really, it's, it's a collaborative thing and I love working with my crew and I've worked with the same crew forever. We have got, a, a, since the last series, we have got a different cameraman, but... Um, and he's now part of the family. So we, we're a very tight unit, and it's a very small crew, you know, one camera. Um, I like it. It is different, but I like the fact that, you know, my director is has got a very good eye, and we concentrate an awful lot on making things look very beautiful, and we can spend a long time just sort of lighting the tea lights or strewing with fairy lights. So it is very different, in a way, from social media. You're right, you're not just doing something really quickly but I think we light it a bit like a film mm. that's why it takes a long time to make and the food does look wonderful and you want it to I want the experience to be sort of immersive there's something about social media which is great but it's quite jumpy mm. and it's there and it's gone and I don't know that you can't sort of settle in you I kind of want this to be like mm, you know settling on the sofa you put your cozy socks on you have a mug of tea and it's that's how it should feel yes now Nigella always swears she's allergic to planning but I wondered what preparations for Christmas look like. Shay Lawson. I do have a tradition, which I've had since my children were little, um, which is I, and it, I am so not a craft person. I'm not good with my hands, but I do bake. I have baked forever my edible Christmas tree decorations. Tell. Well, when, I'm such a horrible mother that when they were little, I used to put masses of pepper in the, them so they wouldn't eat them off the tree but really they're like t- hard very hard <laughs> gingerbread biscuits I mean they are you can eat them but they are made primarily in hang I mean they're on my website at Christmas every, every year um, and so I get Christmassy cutters you know bells stars you know anything angels and you make this a rather sandy uh, tough easy you know forgiving because you have roll and re-roll a mixture and we always used to roll it out and then the children would cut out and you bake them and you put a little hole in so you, later you can thread some ribbon or, um, or a bit of you know, thread and then we'd all decorate of course I mean the children would be I always used to say that I used to try and a bit of you know, elegant minimalist restraint and they'd go the full Donatella Versace <laughs> um, every bauble in the house every single bit of icing um, but it was always a lovely ritual yeah and uh, it doesn't really matter what they look like or how to do it. And, and as I say, I'm not good at things. I mean, if I, I, I dare say doing one of those, you know, paper, paper chains that we used to do at school, that was probably the extent <laughs> of my crafting abilities. But I can make those. And as I say, it's not about perfection. I'm not trying to make them look like I bought Christmas tree decorations. But it is a really lovely thing to do. It's something that sort of means a lot. And it, I suppose it just links you through the years. I remember now when they, when they were teeny tiny. And Nigella had too many wonderful tips, tricks and stories, so we've dedicated an entire extra portion to her. You'll be able to find that on the Delicious website soon. And finally, in a new regular slot, Lottie from the Delicious magazine's food team is in the test kitchen, where she's trying out a recipe for the December issue. Karen popped over from her editor's desk to see how she was getting on. Well, we have a jalapeno lime salt and demerara sugar crust on top. We've actually boiled the ham for about two to three hours. And then you just take the skin off, score it into a diamond shape and literally rub this um, juicy kind of green um, crust all over the gammon. And we just need to taste just to double check it's all okay, but it might need something else, yeah? That is amazing. What do we think of the salsa? I think it works. It cuts through the sort of saltiness of the ham. Although it sounds a bit odd with gammon, 
um, the seasoning from the fish sauce might just add an extra note. So it might be worth having a try. So this is a sneak preview of what's coming up in the uh, December issue of Delicious. So look out for that in the magazine and you'll see then whether we decided fish sauce was a goer or not. That's it from the Test Kitchen. And for more gammon recipes, head to the Delicious website. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the Delicious podcast in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss a morsel. And don't forget that full interview with Nigella in Extra Portion. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.